Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you can find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at LonghornPod on Twitter. You can shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com, or follow us on Facebook, both the Longhorn Republic uh, and on Instagram as well. My name is Gerald Gitteridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's never forgotten to celebrate Matt Bonner's birthday, <laughs> Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, yeah, the the Red Mamba. Um let me let me go take our listeners on a little tour. Um, growing up in San Antonio, you you go deep on each of the Spurs, but I don't know if there's ever been uh, a non-elite legend. And I say that he's obviously elite compared to you and me, but legend who I've spent as much time enjoying. Uh, Matt Bonner is a noted sandwich connoisseur, a alt rock legend. Um, has thrown um, uh, soft alternative rock festivals. Uh, his, his brother, Luke Bonner, also a great Twitter follow, uh, the red Mamba leans in so hard and I love everything about the brand. I'm here for it. So happiest of, of birthdays to, to the red rocket, red Mamba. I'm sorry. He, he rebranded. He's rebranded a couple of times. Mm. He's he was, he like, didn't he give guided tours of the river walk at one point? Like as just like a, like a joke thing back when he, you could do that. That, that is true. That is true. He, he actually said like this again, I'm going in the Spurs broadcasts are pretty amazing. Um, Sean Elliott might be the biggest Homer, like local, uh, basketball broadcaster in, in the world. It's always funny when league pass picks up the Spurs feed and the other team fans have to hear Sean Elliott, but Lance consummate professional, but Matt Bonner is the, the studio guy and the color guy. And he just, chef's kiss takes it up a notch whatever he says is always just funny poignant and uh yeah he does bits and they're great i love it so we are not here to talk about san antonio spurs basketball we are here to talk about university of texas basketball so off the top we'll talk about chris beard new coach at the university of texas women's basketball unfortunately made their exit from the elite eight number three men's baseball number three baseball swept kansas come on with it bust out the brooms well down the 40 a weekend of big wins especially over a specific team in maroon and then we'll close the show out with some godzilla tron and bang the drum so just a little under a week after shaka smart took the job at marquette on april 1st the same day that chris beard's buyout just happened to drop a little bit Chris Del Conte found his man in the Chris Del Conte way. Very little fanfare. It just kind of popped one morning. And Texas Tech, as the time of recording, no longer has a basketball coach because <laughs> Chris Beard decided to come to Austin to take over at the University of Texas. A deal that was finalized over McDonald's breakfast. Kyle, is this the biggest basketball-related deal closed over an Egg McMuffin? Top five, certainly, basketball deals um, closed over a breakfast sandwich paid for with cash. Again, let's just talk about Crystal Conte being a G, going and dropping that 20 spot as not to leave a credit card trail. Um, still got that expense report in because uh, Jay Hartzell approved it on Twitter, which I appreciate the banter from these two. They're making themselves lovable, and I love it. But, uh, yeah, Del Conte seems to have got his man. They were very rehearsed and specific in the, the fact that they said, yes, we first talked about it on Thursday, Friday, on the on the on that day, the one that wasn't illegal. We did that. That's the first time we ever talked. We never talked before that. Wasn't a thing, but right, you know, you, you, you could you could you could hear the, the the subtext, which was that Del Conte said you up and, and Beard said see you tech. You know, it was uh it was not hard. They both wanted it. Um and, and that's fantastic. When it when a arrangement and, and uh relationship comes together like that and makes it easy, that's that's amazing. Um I, I do think that it's gonna be fun if the rumors of Tech's next coach come true. They'll follow up having a beard with uh with bringing in the ham. Um so Darvin Ham, famous for shattering a backboard, I think is at one point the favorite to uh to land in, in Lubbock and replace Chris Beard. But uh yeah, he's coming home, baby. Chris Beard um coming in uh you know, I, I get it. He took the, the, the job that gave him like, you know, uh, 8,000 more a year. You know, why wouldn't you? We all figured it would take a, a pretty big pay jump 
to get him out of Lubbock. And it took, which again, for regular people, this is a big amount of money, right? $700,000 is a big amount of money to yes. me and you. But that's, to a, a, that's a year's making, worth of podcasting budget right there. Right? Exactly. But for a coach <laughs> that's making 4.2 to walk out of Lubbock for five. That's not that big of a jump. And so there's um, tech fans are real mad about it. And you know what? Stay mad. Continue to be mad. You'll be mad forever about it. But um, can we just can we just quickly, though, throw the cost of living adjustment? He may actually be making less. He may have taken a pay cut. And with tech was very like visible. Texas isn't always that way with the like bonuses and, and non base salary. He was definitely making over five million a year. So, again, if there's any tech fans listening to this, just know he took a pay cut to leave Lubbock and come pay the higher cost of living prices in Austin. That's that's how much no one wants to be there. That's fair. That is really fair. And he leaves with a pretty solid resume, 112 and 55, a 67% win percentage in his time at Texas Tech. Was the Big 12 coach of the year in back-to-back years, 2017, uh, the 2017-18 season, the 2018-2019 season. Uh, 18 and 19 also featured a Big 12 regular season championship, a trip to the Final Four, and an AP coach of the year for his trouble. So Chris Beard is a winner. And he's won in a, in a specific brand of basketball, uh, but he's won without the level of athletes that he probably will be able to get at Texas. And so I'm curious to see. He's got a particular brand of basketball. It's not very fun to watch. So if you're into like 62 to 56 wins, then you're <laughs> super, super excited about this. But you know what? He said it in his opening presser. His brand of basketball is winning. And I can get on board with that, Kyle. Regardless of the brand, I just want to win. Here's the thing. We're going to score so many points, have so many leftover points watching football. And, you know, Sarkeesian averaging 83 points a game in football this year that I'm okay with a little, you know, more defensive brand of basketball. You you know that thing that ACU did that just destroyed us and we had no answer for? You know, kind of invented that, like, no middle defense? Yeah, that's Chris Beard. Like, he is uh, is, – is truly, and it's not, I wouldn't say as, as he's proven, obviously, um, as much of a kind of, I don't want to call it a gimmick, but but Havoc was a thing that didn't translate. This has been proven to translate not only at the Big 12 level, but at the national championship game level, which they, you know, almost almost won. Um, but he brings with him, like, a, a you're right, a, a, um, a philosophy of, of taking things away from the other team and kind of finding ways to make it work on the other end. Look, Texas, we said it this year, even with, 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 Shaka Smart's offense was best when they got out and ran. If you see a defensive-minded tech team with you know the the level of athleticism that you can get in Austin with those guys, and then you're able to turn defense into offense, um, you know that that can work well. Again, Vic Schaefer, Elite Eight. Um, so I I'm actually I'm cautiously optimistic that Beard can come in, can quickly quickly get his his kind of things going, and and he's also been excellent and had success bringing players in in the from the portal and then immediately having success which which will which will definitely be a thing that we all knew looking at this roster and especially you know after the shock of news to Marquette um and 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 you know leavings decommitments and and otherwise followed that the next coach would have to be a guy who is a good and passionate recruiter knows how to work the portal knows how to get people in and then quickly get that cohesion to to success that was going to be the number one job requirement you could argue beard's as good as any coach in the country specifically at that yeah he's won with transfers and that's been a thing that he's really made a mint on in lubbock and so there are a bunch of texas tech players in the portal right now at least 60 percent of a starting five kyler edwards marcus santos silva and micah peavy are all in the portal currently. I don't know if all three of them land in Austin, uh, but people are bullish that PV, probably one of his top recruits uh, at in his time at Texas Tech, will likely follow him. PV's younger brother is also really high on Texas, so it's potentially that that could be a two-for-one uh, in the 2022 class if PV decides to come to Texas. The, the coaching staff that Beard is building uh, as well has been impressive. He's already convinced one UT Directional head coach to come join him. Uh, UT Arlington head coach uh, Chris Ogden joining the staff. And according to Jeff Goodman, um, UTEP head coach Rodney Terry is currently mulling a decision to leave UTEP to drive east 
and head to Austin to join the staff as well. So uh, a big, those would be really big moves to convince two head coaches to come join your staff as assistants like that. And I mean, going from the head coach at UTEP and UT Arlington to an assistant coach at UT might be a lateral move and might be an easier way to move your way up, especially if Beard can find some success pretty quickly in Austin, which he may be able to. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting strategy. I don't think that's how you know we've necessarily seen staffs be built, but I like it. Um, you know, uh, Terry played college basketball at St. Edwards in Austin, and then Ogden obviously uh, was was part of of some big Texas teams. Um, he was here, you know, ninety nine to oh three, I think, somewhere in there. Um, so you know, he uh, he was four tournament teams graduated I believe when he graduated I don't know if it's still the case was the winningest player at UT um, for his four years he was part of like almost 100 wins in those four years um, so you know that that's something I'm not saying he's the, the the best player in the history of UT but he's been around UT when it was a winning program um, as much as anyone so I love that and I loved his re uh, reunion with TJ Ford when he came through so I, I'm really liking Beard said all the right things in his presser the way that, you know, uh, Sarkeesian came in. And, and when head coaches come in football, they have to say, and Texas high school coaches, you know, I'm thinking about you. Um, you know, Beard said all the right things. He said, you know, I'm going to get the talent in Texas. I'm going to get the great players here. I'm going to go out and do it. And he's getting Texas guys and, and getting really seasoned guys. Um, and like I said, I think if he can he can prove it quickly, um, if he can bring the momentum and, you know, put together a good staff that, that has some good relationships around the state, uh, then I think, you know, that, that you start to build a program. You start to build a culture. And he's shown in his previous stops he doesn't waste time. He likes to get in and, and start winning right away. And, hey, no one's going to be mad about that. Absolutely. And – as we talk about this, we have to remember every head coach wins the opening press conference. <laughs> every head coach is undefeated in the opening press conference. So we'll find out more about what Chris Beard is going to bring to the burnt orange, a, uh, a team that he was a, uh, what do you say? A three years, a three year player, a point guard, but nobody passed him the ball. Uh, so a team that he's familiar with the school he's familiar with. Um, and we'll, well, again, we'll see how it works out as the season progresses, but he's got his work cut out for him early. So midnight had to strike for some of the Cinderella's in the women's okay. basketball the right tournament. Here, Unfortunately, Good. the Texas Longhorns saw their season, unfortunately, end at the hands of South Carolina in the elite eight. It was a little bit of a, we'll just go and say it was an ugly outing for okay. the ladies 62 to 34 uh, in the elite eight. But for a team who, Honestly, Kyle, this this team is ahead of schedule, and they're going to lose some talent. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But they are – they clearly Vic Schaefer has found the formula for success already. And so they're ahead of schedule regardless of this, this result against South Carolina. Elite 8 in his first year has essentially skewed the average and skewed – the expectations for uh, every coach that comes in behind him, which, you know what, I'm totally fine with it. Anyone who watched this and, and was upset, like, you know, th this team overachieved and, and it was a Cinderella story and it was great. Um, but, you know, besides Collier, they were a really young team. Everyone knew that. Well, I, I should say Kyra Lambert as well. But again, first year in Austin, they were a really young team that I don't think anyone really necessarily expected to do this, especially because they had a really tough bracket. Um, and, you know, they, 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 were a great story. They, the, the locker room pictures and videos afterwards of them just ecstatic and showering Vic and the bottles of water was, were, were amazing. Um, the passion that, that everyone showed in those way. I mean, just, just really good stuff. Like you couldn't have asked for more. It, it is ridiculous to ask a first year coach to win a national championship. So aside from, you know, a, 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 a actual movie script ending, um, you couldn't have asked for more in the first year. I think this was great. It showed, um, who Vic is, I think it showed um, what he's able to do. And again, the the reminder to everyone: um, there is a lot of talent in the pipeline coming in because that's what Vic does. He gets the best players. He's an incredible recruiter and program builder. And so that's again why the expectations were there for year one. There are three of the top twenty. Remember, we reported this a few weeks ago, but just a reminder: three of the top twenty players in this year's senior class, as well as the number one JUCO player in the nation. So they're just instantly adding 
talent onto an already you know talented roster that uh, you know even though they will have to replace a couple pieces um, will bring back some really good pieces and then add that in so it, it'll be it'll be an interesting mix next year and again a good uh, a good mound of clay for Victor mold into something over the course of next season yeah the the fact that he came in and re- was recruiting right alongside UConn and Baylor and South Carolina in the top 20 top. I think it was like with three top 25 players in this class and a couple of number one Juco transfers. Like the talent is already on campus and the influx of talent is going to be really high. And so I think it's expecting the elite eight every year is a pretty lofty standard for him, but you don't, we probably hopefully will not see a massive regression from this. I could definitely see them playing in the second weekend of the tournament for most, if not all of the foreseeable future under Vic Schaefer. And that's, that's just the caliber of player he's going to be able to attract at the university of Texas. And we talk about it a lot, like women's basketball, you could say what you want about it, but like, He's found a he's found the way to coach it where it's fun and it's winning basketball and that again we could we've said it before we said it again you couple winning with the brand and what the University of Texas can offer from a brand standpoint from a from a, a visibility standpoint and let's just be honest from an educational standpoint he could compete with the Stanfords and the Yukons and the Baylors with all of that recruiting and so that is huge and will continue to be huge and especially building off of the, the success that he had with players like Charlie Collier who came in and she was going to be the number one pick but she was really able to showcase her skills and solidify that for herself got a couple of all American mentions, uh, WBCA honorable mentions uh, on the USBWA uh, second team for her. But it's pretty likely that she, I mean, they're, she'll probably be one of the first two players off the board. And especially because Dallas has the number one pick as it comes around in April. Yeah. The, yeah. The Texas team with a chance who's pretty set in the backcourt um, with a chance to, to add, you know, an all American big with Texas roots. Um, and, and again, not to mention just a player with the immense talent and upside that, that Collier has, it seems like a no brainer. Again, I don't want to say anything is certain. We, a lot of folks thought Vince Young might be a number one pick back in the day, uh, to, uh, or, or go to the Houston Texans. Right. But you never know, but it does seem like fate might've, uh, might've written this one. So first pick Dallas wings, Charlie Collier makes sense. Nonetheless, incredible season. And you're, and you're right. Like, a first-year coach that could have been threatening. That could have ruined the momentum she already had coming in. But clearly, she bought in, and he knew how to use her. So it will be a whole new team next year because he will be shaping something not around this one elite player, but a team of elite players. Which again, kind of matches what he's done in the past. It showed some flexibility. He had a system, but he, he was able to flex a little bit. And so, there's really nothing not to like from year one with Coach Schaefer. The only thing that you don't like in year one of coach Schaefer is that I had a hard time predicting when the coat would come off during the games. I'll be better (laughs) in year two guys. I, I apologize profusely. Uh, Someone that won't be with the team next year is, is Celeste Taylor, a player who was absolutely pivotal for the university of Texas. But uh, she, and again, this wasn't like early. It was like, Oh, Vic Schaefer's forcing him out or, Oh, she's threatened by the players coming in. Her parents are from, New York City and during a year where it's COVID and they can't travel Mm -hmm. they didn't get to see her and and that is that leads to homesickness and I completely get that so uh, likely she'll be transferring somewhere closer to home hopefully in a year where her parents can travel a little bit to see her her dad is very active on social media and we actually interacted with him several times on our Twitter because we use gifts of her because she absolutely killed it in the tournament for Texas so uh, it was easy to do that but uh, sad to see her go Uh, she's she again was another player that really thrived in, in year one under Vic Schaefer yeah, probably Texas's second best player. I mean, there was other other people who, who shined at various points. I think, I think we're not going to skip Jat here, um, but uh, or or any. There was probably three or four candidates you could put in there. But uh, I I think you know in the tournament at the very least was was Texas's you know number two player very clearly, and so it, it does it stings to hurt to to uh, see her go. But you know, you talk about how well she stepped it up and played in the tournament. Well, her parents had traveled to watch her in the tournament and stayed the whole time. So it's like you understand that uplifting thing of playing in front of your family. And, and maybe that, literally how well she played with her parents in attendance is part of um, 
what makes you think, man, I'd like that every week. And so I totally get it. No hard feelings. will will follow her, uh, wherever she goes, presumably on the East coast. Uh, now if she chooses to go to California or something, then maybe we have a different, different conversation, but, uh, no, I, we will be rooting for Celeste every game that she doesn't play the Longhorns. Absolutely. So number three, baseball got out the brooms for the first time in conference play swept the Kansas Jayhawks for the first time in either 10 or 20 years. It doesn't matter. It was a sweep Thursday, five to two Friday, got the shutout seven, nothing. And then Saturday poured it on 11 to two, a seven to two start to conference play. Yeah, I mean we're we're getting pretty close to the the midpoint of of the baseball season. I'd have to look exactly how far we are, but we're pretty close to it. Um, and and you know, look, we we had a preseason view of this team. We had opening weekend. It kind of was a gut punch, and you wondered how they how they rally, how they, how they go from there. And I think at the midpoint in the season, they've answered a lot of questions. I think um, there's still questions to be asked, but it feels like they are kind of solidifying this weekend felt like a slump buster for quite a few people who, you know, were having a, a tough time again. That's relative, right? We, we're winning. We're doing good things, but you know, there's always room for improvement, but uh felt like they got some bats going um, this weekend. You know, you, you, you have a basically a top five, uh, team right now you know it's it's there's a lot of things to like there's a lot of things to be excited about there's a lot that you can look at this team and look at the arms look at the bats look at the the defense you know uh look at look at the speed team speed and and think this is a team that 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 number is legitimate they can they can make uh an omaha run and 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 be dangerous they can host a regional the 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 kind of historic benchmarks and 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 things that you check for championship texas baseball teams right like when we we talk about um you know teams on campus that that have a winning tradition and expectation texas baseball is is after the swimming team under Eddie Reese is 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 you know is up there especially for men's sports towards towards the top the expectation is great for this team and this feels like one of those classic Texas teams there's some heroes on it I mean Zach Zubia basically is the wheels on this team just knocking triples and inside the park home runs like we all expected um you know but there's just like there's just fun characters you know players to love Faltini the hammer um there's just you know there's there's great players all around the pitching is solid um we can we can break in we can do a little mid season analysis and break in and look at um you know some of the key stats our k rate our our, our um defensive fielding rate some of the kind of key indicators in the, in the coming days here but just right now take the time enjoy it big 12 sweeps are are hard to come by and they should make you feel great and it's okay to puff your chest a little bit and and feel good we don't even you know midweek games don't matter you know i just throw a caveat in there was a texas a&m team that um put their entire stock of their season on winning a midweek game. And then they got swept by Missouri, who was in last place in the SEC. Um, because again, they treated a midweek game like it was their championship in Texas, you know, traded one for, for, for three uh, weekend wins. So I will take that a big 12 sweep over a, a meaningless midweek uh, game. So I, I, I think um, all in all, a fantastic, fantastic week and, and start to big 12 and first half of the season for the horns. Won all their Big 12 series. The two losses in conference players Sunday, so they secured mm-hmm. the win. And then, you know, I don't know if they probably didn't ease up on Sunday, but they had some weird pitching stuff that happened on Sundays, and that's fine. And and uh, they are the type of team, Kyle, that would be in the running for hosting a regional. The NCAA just announced that they are actually going to just pre-select regional sites rather than mm. um, rather than have teams compete for them like they have traditionally. Again, just because for COVID reasonings and COVID precautions, they can make that type of situation happen. But Austin is the type of city that maybe would be selected to host a regional. We'll find that out uh, soon. But now's part of the show where we whip around all of the rest of the sweeps that happened over the weekend and we down the 40. So first up, uh, number two slash number four women and men respectively track and field sweep number six and number two Texas A&M over the weekend. Uh, the women convincing win. 85% of the possible points were scored uh, by the Texas women. The men scored a, a paltry 77.4%. <laughs> of the wins to, well, just run those Aggies out of town because, well, they're terrible. 
and they they just they talked a lot of noise uh, the the Texas A&M track and field Twitter because they were at relays last week you know tweeting out pictures of horns down and things and and it was very nice I mean again this give credit where it's due this is a very good uh, Aggie track and field team number six and number two um, not good enough. That's absolutely correct. And and I just want to single out a couple Longhorns who obviously rose to the occasion. Elena Bruckner um, looking like just a monster. Um, broke her own school record in the hammer throw, um, which breaking your own school record is always fun. That's just That's got to be a good life thing. Um, then went on to win the discus um, with the second best throw in school history. Again, she owns the best in school history. And just for, for you know, the, the trifecta when, when won the, the shot put. Um also, Kennedy Flanell, we know what she does. She, she won two events. And Tara Davis, we know she jumps, and she uh-huh. won that event, like, easy. No one close. She didn't, unfortunately, break her own collegiate all-time record when she broke Jackie Joyner's, uh, Kersey's record last week at Relays. But, uh, but yeah, Tara Davis, um, uh, you know, did something that, that folks who followed her career for a while knew that she was really 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 good at like she was an elite hurdler um she's been jumping but this is her first time hurdling uh in the 100 meter hurdles for ut and uh, she just went ahead and won that as well with the ninth best uh 100 meter hurdles time in, in school history as well so no big deal just uh just did that and then on the men's side again we had a lot of really good individual contributors but i'll single out uh one who had three wins individual many players had one win i'm talking all the ones who had multiple micah harris uh went out with uh just won the 100, 204 by one. Basically, the fastest guy at the meet. So, uh, no, no big deal. Texas just laying that whoop all over the, uh, the, the, the Giggum squad. Continuing a trend, number seven men's tennis topped number six, Texas A&M. Tennis four to three. Didn't get a sweep. But you know what? Still beat them, and that's all that matters. You got to love top 10 Texas over top 10 A&M. Again, I don't like to recognize when A&M is good, but these are probably the Aggies' two best uh, sports. This is their, their highest rankings currently in any sport at Texas A&M athlete, Athletics, and both were just whooped by uh, the Longhorns this weekend. That is UT's good enough for their third top 10 win of the season. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. What's not to like? Number two, women's tennis swept Texas State in the midweek, and then Houston on senior night. Final regular season home match for a quartet of Texas seniors, including our favorite, Fernanda Labrana, nice. uh, Marta Perez, uh, Tijana Spasejevic, nice. and, and uh, Anna Tarati, one of the two Taratis uh, on <sighs> campus still. Gerald, a sad realization. We've always said the only way to beat a Tarati is with another Tarati. We've gone all year with a but a but a, a, a single, but a one Tarati. Uh, thinking about a future of next year, of future times with with nay a Tarati, uh, our dark times. But um, you know, being the number two team in the nation at eighteen and one this year, with thirteen of those wins being sweeps, and your only loss being a thriller four three last second loss to the number one team in the country. Um, I feel like this is a national championship team. I'll go out on the record and say it. They are literally a, a, a like three three uh, three serves and in a in a, a, a ball hitting a line away from you know being undefeated with a win over the number one and number two team in the country this year. So they are they are elite. I expect them to be competing, if not winning a national championship. So keep your eyes on women's tennis as a really, really, really good contender to follow up the men's swimming and diving team with another light the tower orange national championship for the horns. Another team with a solid chance to do the same number four volleyball earned a top four seed and a first round bye in the postseason tournament on the strength of 23 and one, including an undefeated run through conference. And I think they've only dropped, like, I think they just hit double digit, uh, double digit sets on the year. Yeah. Undefeated in, in big 12 play, uh, 23 and one on the season. Uh, again, a fluke rice thing from, uh, running the table and being undefeated. They still was good enough to earn a, a top four seed in the first round by in the postseason tournament. They'll play the winner of Sampson and Wright state, which is kind of when you say them together, sounds like something of a law firm, but on the 15th of April, it's also, I believe tax day folks who so get your taxes in, but, uh, yeah, that's a team that, I would not bet against Jared Elliott, and, and and there's some good, 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 good top end elite volleyball teams, but I would not bet against this Texas volleyball team being right there. 
Not at all. Number seven, softball sweeps Texas Tech to kick off the conference play. Five nothing on Thursday. Ten to one in five innings on Friday, bringing our run rule count to twelve on the year. Two and one on Sunday. A big, big weekend for the ladies. Improving to twenty-seven and three on the year. Just a really good record um, for for that team. I, I'm I'm. Uh, pretty bullish on them as well. Again, more so than before the season, uh, even. But uh, you, the thing I liked was was again on on the Saturday and the third uh, of these games, they got down. They got down one to zero, um, but they battled back. I think it's their double digits come from behind wins now. I think that's their tenth. Really, really good heart that you see from that team. And Shay O'Leary got a career high 11 batters in a complete game, only giving up that one run uh, when there wasn't a whole lot of wiggle room. So you, uh, you love to see it. I think they, they, they have a chance to take the big 12 by storm and, and, you know, again, seeing a theme top 10, Texas be in the hunt uh, in postseason. And finally, number eight, men's golf currently sits in third place at the Calusa Cup. Two shots back of those filthy dirt burglars for the lead. But Cole Hammer and Pearson Cootie putting on a little bit of a show in the first two days. Yeah, uh, Hammer's what it, it four under, tied for first. Pearson Cootie's at three under. Um, you know, basically, you are, are the dudes holding down two of the top three spots. It looks looks good for them. Looks good for the team again. Uh, We'll talk about it in a minute, but men's golf, top to bottom, professional. Guys in school now. It's clicking, right? The right time for for Longhorn golfers. And Gerald, I was ready for the perfect transition into Bernard's lenses, but a true professional admits his mistakes. I missed soccer. Almost skipped over our beloved uh, women's soccer team who... Don't want to skip over this one. Had a great showing uh, 4-0 win. Uh, over the Baylor Bears, which is fantastic. In Waco, completing the season sweep. They're now 7-5. and five. They have not lost since the restart in the spring. They're looking like a whole different team with uh, the the new piece, Lexi uh, Missimo, of course. Um, she did nothing except, uh, you know, scored a brace. Uh, <laughs> a junior favorite of the show, Julia Grasso, got a goal and and senior Haley Berg all scored the four. So, I mean, you, you, you're really seeing all the names come out for the soccer team at just the right time. This is uh, this is like a, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like this at UT. It is a because of COVID and so weird in a sport that spanned both uh, fall and spring. They are like a completely different, completely new team since the restart. They have won 4-0-3-0-4-0 in their opening games. They'll try to keep it going against LSU in Baton Rouge on Friday. I'm a fan of the soccer team. I think they're going to go far. I'm a fan. I, th- I think I think having the number one player in the country and, and again, another uh, couple uh, top 10, top 15 players coming in next fall, it's going to be fun. Keep an eye on them. But to get back to my transition as it was supposed to be in burnt orange lenses where we take a look at the rest of the world through orange colored lenses professional golf speaking of them golf uh, i referenced the 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 ut men's team doing great the ut men's alumni also doing great we talked about scotty scheffler last week in austin well down the road in san antonio jordan speeth is back baby Wins the Valera Texas Open uh, with an 18 under. His first PGA Tour win in almost four years. Gerald, how much are you betting on Jordan Spieth in the Masters this weekend? Uh, I'm not a betting man because I have two children to put through college, but (laughs) uh, I would put a solid amount of money coming off of this momentum. I mean, your two hottest golfers based on the most recent tournaments right now are reigning rookie of the year, Scotty Scheffler, and... The man who, you know, I think he's still like the third youngest to ever get to 12 PGA Tour wins. We forget, like, even though he had a down years in the wilderness, Jordan Spieth was like the chosen one. He, he did it so young. And so if he can hit basically his solid 20s here and, and get a roll going, I mean, he still is one of the most talented, most physical, most mentally um, adept golfers in the world. Uh, so there is a, a lot of momentum, a lot to like. 
Uh, I'm not a not not betting this year on on the Masters either. But if you're listening to this podcast again, we do not give uh, betting advice unless uh, we're sponsored uh, to do so. But um, the the uh, the Longhorns uh, look like if you get good odds on them, look like they could be could be paying out. Uh, Scotty Scheffler and Jordan Spieth will be fun to watch them try to get a green jacket. Now a different colored jacket, Gerald. A a, a red. I don't know what you wear in the desert. Maybe windbreaker. Maybe maybe dust duster. Uh, Colt McCoy. Right. Yeah, slid on a red duster uh, to head out to the desert, signing for the Arizona Cardinals. Gerald, what do you think about that? Backup quarterback in the NFL is the best job in the world because you get paid significant money, like significant money, to not play. If you come in and you lose, nobody expects anything. You come in and win, you're the the most popular man in town for a week. It's great. And Cole got to do that for the Giants last year. Fans loved him for the couple weeks he came in and did it. The interesting thing with this one is, you know, very likely, you know, could beat out whatever his name is, the little guy, Kyler Murray. Uh, No, he will be the backup. But uh, he is significantly closer in age to his head coach than the starting quarterback. Again, Kyler Murray's like 24, 23, and Cliff is like 44. I don't know. I did the math. But it's like 11 years and 7 years, point cliff kingsbury so that i don't know how many quarterbacks have necessarily had that uh had that type of dynamic but uh i i joked when i tweeted out it would make make a sitcom an interesting one that i would watch i would absolutely watch that put kyler and colt in a uh in an apartment together uh, kyler would probably be the messy one colt would be the neat one uh i think yeah. that'd be the way to go Without a doubt, yeah, without a doubt. It, the only problem would be Colt, you know, just a nice guy, you know, everything. But when Kyler really uh, annoys him by by not doing the dishes or whatever, he would just put stuff on the high shelves, you know, real real uh, subtle digs at, at little Kyler. Um, but all right, let's let's keep it moving. Enough uh, enough OU quarterback uh, jabs uh, on the football field. Keeping it there, middle linebacker Jawan Mitchell has entered the transfer portal um, for the. 19th time and, and maybe <laughs> maybe for good we don't know um what's your gut tell you when you when you hear that news Gerald? it sucks to lose him he was a very productive linebacker but um he always like again this is i think legitimately he's probably second or third time i know second at least maybe third time in the portal so like, there's something going on that we don't know about and if he's out he's out and that's okay yeah, and, and, and again, the the same thing we say for almost all of our transfers. We wish him well and wherever he goes and ends up and go have success everywhere except against UT. But uh, a Juco player who came in and it seemed like, oh, he found his fit uh, at UT. He um, unfortunately got a lot of targeting calls and, and so missed some time. Their stats would have been even better. But uh, there is a, an argument there with the, the rise of uh, DeMarvian Overshawn being kind of the prototypical Big 12 linebacker of the future if Juwan Mitchell is a little bit of a throwback because he definitely is better in the box than, you know, probably his worst moments were out in space and having to cover in the slot. And so maybe, I don't know, he looks for a conference where he can he can get more tape to his strengths. I, I'm not sure, but um, I do think, again, we obviously, you know, have uh, a player who you and I are both incredibly excited about in, in Overshawn and then uh, some linebackers, some edge rushers specifically who came in uh, in the portal. So it will be interesting to see that position. Uh, obviously, new new coach at that position with Hutzler going out um, and, and new players coming in and, and, and some uh, some recruits there as well. I'd be curious to see. We're still – we never get to not talk about linebacker. That is that is what it seems to be a Texas fan in the modern era. But uh, we'll, we'll have more news when we have anything official on this one. But speaking of the portal, basketball recruit David Joplin – uh, asked to be released from his letter of intent, uh, making this class of four now uh, 50% of them. T- two of the four have requested out uh, after Shaka announced uh, his move to Marquette. What do you think, Joe? Um, we saw, we anticipated this happening. I think the the two that were the likeliest flight risks flew, and so that is that is anticipated. I think uh, Nick said last week that this would probably happen and the other two might stay. And so uh, Beard will probably get two of these guys in and then probably hit five or six on the transfer portal. That's okay. It's uh, it's it's building a squad from scratch at this point, which you know could be an exciting blank canvas for the coach. Um, 
keeping it on the hardwood, there was uh, as Texas announced a new coach. Oh, you just had to try to keep up and announced uh, Porter Moser from Loyola, uh, who is a hot name in the coaching search without a doubt. Uh, doesn't get to bring Sister Jean with him, so it'll be interesting. But who he is bringing with him? The Sister Jean to Shaka Smart? No, I don't think so. Uh, Katie Turner, uh, rumored to be, according to John Rothstein, uh, who is a very reliable college basketball woge uh that kt turner uh will be hired um again to be confirmed by the school but on the ou staff leaving texas heading north of the red river what do you does that say anything to you i mean i'm tired of the big 12 being a a bully league in the big three like football bully league basketball bully league baseball bully i'm tired of it it's a bloodbath every week week in and week out all the sports it's dumb (laughs) Yeah, can we just have sports where Texas is good and no one else is? Like that that would be I guess swimming. We have that. Uh but we could have more of those. I wouldn't be mad about that. Jared, let's keep it rolling. I'm gonna talk a little bit about what we're watching on our giant screens. Stay tuned for more of that this week on the Godzillatron. Gerald, what are you watching? So I talk a lot about sweatpants shows. The shows that you watch that you just slip on and they feel good. You don't need a whole mm. lot. Um, uh, but it feels like a big hug. And for me, one of the most sweatpantsy shows in the world is Futurama. It is one of my favorite shows of mm. all time. It is absolutely, um, without a doubt, like one of my favorite animated shows of all time. It's funny. It's got a lot of heart to it. It's from the. It's from uh, Matt Groening, the, the guy who did The Simpsons. But it's um, it's got more cohesion, I think, to the narrative than, than The Simpsons. It's really built around uh, kind of a lovable idiot and the girl he's head over heels in love with. He doesn't feel like he belongs in the 90s, which is when it started in, in 1999. And so he wakes up. He cryogenically freezes himself accidentally, wakes up in the year 3000 and falls in love with a girl and feels like he belongs. And it's this really, uh, really interesting show. And I absolutely love it. Um, it got canceled prematurely and then brought back and was just as good. Uh, and so I'm, I'm rewatching that and it just it just feels like a nice warm hug. Oh, that's great. Uh, I you you've always been one of like two. I think our, our friend Ray uh, also um, who who ride by that show. And every time I watch it, I enjoy it. I just never I've never made the leap for whatever reason. When I go like an animated sweatpants show, my equivalent of that is King of the Hill, um, which I know you love as well, right? Always, always. Yeah, I, I thought so. I thought so. Um, well, I didn't have a ton. I actually racked my my brain. What did I watch this week? I did in my free time. It felt like I went more to video games this week, and I played some Skyrim, catching up. I hadn't played in a little while, so uh, put some some time in there. Man, it, you lose some hours quick. Uh, I have to ration myself. But uh, I did watch when I when I watched anything. I realized I haven't reported out. I, I've Finished the the second chapter, I guess, of last year, and I know there's a third chapter where they go to California. And now there's a basketball chapter, and I'll keep keep working my way through. I love the show, um, but I have I have made it through the the Independence Kansas saga uh, with with Coach Brown and uh, his colorful language and demeanor and persona. Um, and I love the show, even when it's not great, it's still good. Um, you know, it's the the characters are interesting. Sometimes it's like a really like wild scalpel to the humanistic elements of sports and especially like lower end sports like but you know that extrapolates to different but you just don't have the necessarily the means but some of the struggles um that athletes go through and 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 transitioning from certain life to you know the college athletics life and and again also watching people from all around the country end up in independence kansas or uh scuba mississippi is often a hilarious uh fish out of water tale um but uh, it's a good show watch it everyone i'm sure a lot of people here have already watched it if you haven't uh you only watch the mississippi ones it's good watch the the independence Kansas will keep you entertained a uh, good way to put on the background kind of show and just let it let it play and uh, there's highs there's lows and it's uh, it's never boring it is absolutely absurd like it's an absurdist comedy is what what yeah. the final two seasons uh, or I guess the the two seasons at at independence are Texas actually picked up a couple of independence kids right before those seasons so uh, real interesting now it's a part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics Big Bertha and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz so Kyle what are you banging the drum on this week well, Gerald, uh, we record this. There's, there's no secret. We record this on Monday night. And, uh, you know, depending on my work schedule, sometimes I eat before we record. Sometimes I actually eat after. It's not always a great thing. But um, many times when I'm on this podcast, I'm not only hungry to bring you the best podcast out there, but I'm hungry for something good to eat. And uh, the thing that's been on my mind that's actually just been killing 
the appetite uh, that might be there is looking at a certain Twitter picture from Easter Sunday tweeted out. Um, we all remember when a certain Texas senator tweeted out his, his ketchup brisket and that set the standard. And, and I, here's the thing, guys. Holiday plates, the upside is never going to be there to tweet out your plate. You, you, you know, it's always going to be tough. More likely than not, you're going to get roasted. Just, just, just don't, don't put them on social media. Brisket, ladies and gentlemen, is the most delicate art. It is so easy. My wife actually thinks that she does not like brisket because she has had so much bad brisket in her life because honest to goodness, it is probably 10 to 1 until this recent barbecue renaissance of the past decade of likelihood of getting bad brisket to good brisket. And again, mediocre or bad brisket is is still, you know, not bad. You can dress it up and do whatever, but good brisket, it just hits different. So good friend of the podcast, Lincoln Riley, tweeted out a happy Easter brisket. And all I can say, folks, is if you're not on www.twitter.com, uh, first of all, you should be to follow the show. We're, we're amazing on it. But you should be just for the roasting that happened to Lincoln Riley about this picture. Uh, I mean, he did a good job roasting the brisket uh, about 10 hours past. He, he went instead of low and slow with the uh, um, high and slow <laughs> not always the best example crank it up real high and let it go real long but he just he just sucked every well you can leave it there oh you sucks but every bit of moisture out of of a beautiful cut of meat an expensive cut of meat let's be honest um and it, twitter did not fail it was that was my high point of the week was watching every person i know and don't know just choose to roast him um many people said the man loves football so much that's he chooses to eat it um which i thought was a great one because it's just kind of a brown loaf spencer hall did his own uh beautiful seven part uh opera on it it was just gorgeous his roasting um honest to goodness i i i can't single out there's like three dozen delicious and again when i say delicious i'm talking about the tweets not the picture of the brisket the tweets not the meats. Tweets, not the meats, Gerald. That's why I keep you around. You're a professional. Uh, you know, it, it, it is, it's great. Log on, go to Twitter, first follow us, and then go to Lincoln Riley's and just look at the responses under it. And chef's kiss, and I use that pun intentionally. It is beautiful. The, the, the Twitter roast far exceeds the brisket roast. Imagine seeing a cutting board that dry <laughs> and and assuming that that would go well for you, unless you are like a Pinkerton's level smoker at home, just leave the barbecue pictures on. Especially like you could probably do some chicken, you could probably do some turkey, but but a brisket, but a brisket is is, is a mean a, a brisket is Alabama in the national championship game levels of difficult. I don't even I don't even know what style of barbecue that is. Maybe the desert because it looks like sand. I don't know. It, it's <laughs> he just spent enough, he spent enough time in in Lubbock. It might it might be a tumbleweed. <laughs> That's not. I mean, you're not wrong. Let Let's just say this, Lincoln. Texas stole you know a great recruit from you, Hayden Connor, a, a man who you know going to be a great player for us, but also an elite Twitter follow. But also may have sold the, the the best aspiring brisketeer uh, in, in the past. Probably I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb and say it five or six recruiting classes. And, and Hayden Connor, we, we asked him if he would bless our timeline with uh, with a real brisket. Show Lincoln how it's done, and just the kid gets it. I wish I was as sharp and, and quick with it as, as he is at, at 18. He said, "I don't know how I would make one with just a mini fridge and a microwave in the dorms, but I'll give it a shot." And 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 Hayden. I truly think that with those tools, you could do just as good as uh, as Link did with with probably a a uh, hundred hundred dollar cut of meat. Wrap a hamburger in a uh, in a wet paper towel, toss it in the microwave, and might have the same level of uh, moisture as that brisket. <laughs> so I'm banging the drum this week on on some things that Chris Beard said in his opening presser. Now, again, we said it off the top. Every coach wins the press conference. Every coach wins the introductory press conference. But something that a couple things that he said in there uh, really resonated with me. And he talked about wanting to unite the Texas family and bring back, you know, notable alum and get them on board. And he called specifically for increased fan support. And there's an argument to be made that, like, put a watchable basketball product on the court and fans will come. But 
There are also teams like Kansas who were absolute trash for two thirds of this year and still sold out the fog every week. And so I'm not saying that you shouldn't vote with your wallets if that's your if that's your prerogative. But if you're going to choose to vote with your wallet, then don't jump on Twitter and want to fire a coach after one loss. There has, again, as of 10 o'clock Monday night, never been an undefeated basketball team in the modern era. So that's just how college basketball goes. Gonzaga's getting slapped right now by Baylor, and they're not going to be undefeated, and that's okay. So, like... They're, again, support. Get out there and support. Give him an adequate level of support. And give him a couple years. You know how bad the roster is going to be tomorrow. Not tomorrow. You know how bad the roster is going to be this year. So give him a year or two to get his feet underneath him before you start calling for his job. We we, we all, all the, the, the listeners under the sound of our voice, you love Texas sports. You 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 love Texas athletics. I would venture to say go out and be supporters of athletics. Be athletic supporters. Be these these jocks who are going to play at UT need to to be uplifted. So be, you know, uplift jocks, be athletic support. No, I'm making jock strap jokes. Um yes, Gerald is absolutely correct. Uh be behind the team always like, you know, uh, it does it does matter. It it, it does we're going to come out of COVID. You got no excuse. Get out there. Pack it. Be loud. Cheer the team on. Cheer them on, on online as well. I, I like I like this one. Um, be athletic supporters. And that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can we get folks find you on the internet? They can follow me, as I mentioned, on Twitter.com. They can follow me at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. And gentlemen, I'm going to pause right there because this is a little inside baseball. I've never mentioned this directly. I would suggest this week, if you never do, keep listening. If you're still listening at this point in the show, because I give a little, a little, little post credits teaser like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I'm particularly proud of this one. And I don't want it wasted. I hope you all listen to the very end to listen to my true outro. I say a few more words after this. Back to you, Gerald. You're not shocked. Kyle has more to say. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Gooder. Try to show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Texas, where we like our orange burnt, not our brisket.